Good morning. It's uh, good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm Ben from Kings Court House Church, and it's my privilege to lead you through EMP. If you could turn to Luke 6, 1 through 16. Luke 6, 1 through 16. Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing that? What is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew that they were thinking what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? to save life or to destroy it. He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. One of these days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whose name is Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Aphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. This is the word of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for, uh, for this day. We thank you, God. It is a new day, God, and you have a new um, promise for us today, Lord. We thank you, God, for your word, and we just, uh, yeah, we just lift you up. In this house, God, we, um, we, we invite you to, for your word to be alive in our hearts, God, for you to touch and for you to uh, impact us personally, Lord. We thank you, God, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's several areas that we can go in, in this passage that stood out for me, at least. Um, so I'll share a few of them. Firstly, uh, let's take a look at how Jesus contrasts the religiosity of the Pharisees with the compassion of Christ the religiosity of the Pharisee, the compassion of Christ. So on that point, we see that the Pharisees were very religious. They followed the letter of the law. They knew the law better than anyone. And in fact, in keeping God's command on the Sabbath, they had created numerous laws. I think there's maybe a couple hundred traditions that came about in the Talmud on what you can and you cannot do on the Sabbath. And this continues today in Orthodox Jewish communities. Um, As some of you may know, in the 90s in Tel Aviv, tenants actually let three apartments burn down as they discussed with their rabbi whether or not they should call the fire department because using a telephone would break, uh, potentially break an electric circuit. But Jesus, in this instance, was pointing out that these Pharisees may have followed the letter of the law, but they have missed the heart of God. 
Right? They follow the letter of the law, but miss the heart of God. Jesus asked, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And of course, that's an obvious and rhetorical question. But maybe he's actually saying, there's never actually a wrong day to do something truly good. Right? There's never actually a wrong day to do something truly good. And if you think about it, isn't it fitting that Jesus is giving rest to the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath? This man had probably hung around with the, the Pharisees, and he was probably, you know, seen. The Pharisees probably saw him day in and day out, but their religiosity made them blind to the suffering. And it reminds me of the priest and the Levite that we studied last Sunday, who just walked by the suffering man because they were so myopic, they were so religious that became, they became hypocritical. In fact, Luke says that after they saw Jesus heal and give rest to this man, they were filled with rage. They, they, they discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. In other words, they were planning to kill him. So in their heart, they were focused on entrapping Jesus rather than do good. Ironically, on, in their mind, it was okay to be filled with rage and a plot to kill someone on Sabbath as long as they didn't light a match. So the question I ask myself is, what good is it to follow the law, to know the Bible, if after we leave morning prayer today, we're at work and we're secretly happy when, happy when our colleagues are failing, or we're shouting at our kids because we're stressed, or we're using our spouses as an emotional punching bag at the end of the day, or we're treating our domestic helpers like second-class citizens. Let's be wary of the religious spirit and not miss the heart of God. The second part that stood out to me was the man with the withered hand and how we contrast that to the Pharisees. See, if we look at the man with the withered hand, withered and shriveled, it stands for some, something who's hopeless, fruitless, parched of life, utterly without strength, completely incapable. And, of course, who wants to be that man? You don't want to be that man. But I would challenge that we should see him differently. Because while he was utterly cap- incapable, he was perfectly willing While he was utterly incapable, he was perfectly willing. See, when we let go of our last hope, we're willing to seek our real hope. And that's what God desires in us. Because that we could we could be in a place where we feel perfectly we we feel utterly incapable. But all God needs us to be is perfectly willing. Jesus said, Get up, and the man got up. He said, Stretch out your hand, and he did. He was a man of amazing obedience. He acted entirely on faith. Faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. He didn't raise any questions. He didn't need proof. It was an act of sense. You know, imagine this man who had been suffering with this disability for his whole life, and yet he didn't doubt. He didn't try to make sense of it. He just did it. Right, even Peter, who was so close to Jesus, doubted and started to sink. The question for us is, how often do we know God is telling us to do something, and we're immediately finding excuses and reasons not to do it? Because we know better, 
right? We doubt. The man with the withered hand reminds us that God cannot heal withered hands if there's no withered hands to heal. Right? Jesus comes to those who want him. And the enemy's daily work is to tell us that we've got all figured out. We know the situation better than God. And yet we confess that I, cannot, I who can do nothing of myself can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Put it another way, God commands. Our hearts turn that command into a prayer. And then God answers that prayer through a promise. And that leads to the last point on prayer. Verse 12, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. This is the most challenging part of the passage for me. You know, if if I were perfectly honest, my prayer life is not consistent. Not as consistent as I want it to be. Typically, I wake up, and I'm taking my eldest son to school. Then I'm getting the second son ready for school. I take him to school. And then I'm at work. And then I work, and I come home, and we have some dinner, and I put the kids down to sleep. And then food coma hits, and sometimes I wake up at 2 a.m., still in my work clothes. When did I have time to pray? And in this passage, Jesus was about to make one of the most important decisions in his ministry, by choosing the 12 apostles. Yet I've always wondered, since he was infinitely wise, why did he just snap his fingers and select the 12 apostles? He had to leave, go to the mountains, pray not for one hour, not for two hours, for the whole night. Right? If Jesus, who is the creator of the universe, incorruptible, harm, home, holy, harmless, no adversaries, he had no need for repentance or unforgiveness, no inner corruptions, who was spotless. If he needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? In fact, while Jesus was one of the greatest teachers, it was his prayers that made the deepest impact on his disciples. The disciples didn't ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to preach, teach us to heal, teach us to fast, teach us to study scripture. No, instead, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. So if Jesus was who was spotless, prayed so fervently, how much more then should we take prayer in our daily life seriously? In Romans 8, Paul says that we should be conformed to the image of Christ. And my prayer in this respect is that we may become men and women of prayer. And for those who like uh, metaphors or images, I couldn't help myself but suggest that prayer is like yeast. You know, I've been baking the last couple of years during COVID. And, you know, without yeast, sourdough bread is flat, right? It's dull. It doesn't taste any good. But with yeast, the bread comes alive. It springs into action. There's so much flavor, texture, there's strength. And that's like prayer, because prayer can spread the kingdom of heaven. I think somewhere it says yeast is like the kingdom of heaven. I can't can't recall. But Paul wrote, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So as we pray, I think we're spreading the kingdom of heaven for our enemies, for our neighbors, for our family, for our leaders. So I encourage you, as I encourage myself, that we would be men and women of prayer. That we learn to find our own quiet place. That we would pray fervently, speak simply, not to be dull, but to wrestle like Jacob did. And that we would pray to God so that his desires, his plans, and his purposes would be emblazoned in our hearts. Thank you. I'll invite uh, Monica up for worship.
Father, Lord, I pray that you will teach us how to love you and revere you. That you'll fire up an intense ambition for us to spread the favor of your name across our families, our workplaces, this community. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. would join me in the community prayers. Can we lift up those in our community who are going through chemo and radiation therapy and surgery, Lord? Uh, we pray, Lord, that, yeah, that you would give our brothers and sisters rest, Lord, during this time. That you'll be with them. Pray for, let's pray for those suffering from illness and that need salvation.
pray for those in our community suffering from other infirmities. Let's lift them up. Pray for those looking for jobs in our community, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that you will, um, yeah, you will provide, God. for um, our mission focus for Japan, Jomen and Hijin in SP Tokyo, for the US, SP New York, Kelly and Jess, and for India, uh, Kelly. Missions Council, P. Sam, Tim Tang, Mike Lee, John Koshi, that they will have the wisdom in terms of partnerships and allocation of funds. Lift up SP Fam Foster and Adoption Ministry Cadence. Pray that God, more of us would have Your heart, Lord, for the orphans and for the brokenhearted. lift up Friday night gatherings, IP, SPU, and SPU. Let's pray that it'll be a time of 
revelation and a time of meeting with you and intimacy with you, God. lift up the pregnant moms, uh, Rachel B, Jessica Singh, Catherine Yang, and others. Let's pray for God, your protection over these moms, Lord. lift up the house churches that are meeting tonight. Um, Agora, Go, McCain, MacDaddy, Providence Bay, and Zion. Let's pray that this will just be a great time of fellowship and with meeting with you, God. thank you, God. We thank you for today. We thank you for your word, Lord. Will you etch it in our hearts, Father, that we would be humble and meek, that we would pray for our brothers with intense ambition, that we would be like the man with the withered hand, that we reach out without doubt, without selfish ambition. God, reflect your heart and our hearts, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.